Hey guys, and welcome to episode 13 of Results May Vary. Today we're speaking with Chris, who has a really interesting story. He recently reconnected with his childhood love at their 10-year high school reunion, and the only problem is that she has a boyfriend of eight years. I thought this was a really compelling story because it shows a perspective that we don't usually get to see or hear their story. So whichever way that you find yourself sympathizing as you listen, I hope that there's something there for you to learn. I hope it opens up a conversation. And in any case, I hope you find it interesting. I love any feedback that you have. Feel free to DM me on Instagram. We are at results may vary pod on Instagram. All messages are welcome. We throw up a ton of polls and questions and surveys every day, which are really fun. And if you ever find yourself listening and thinking I could do that, I would love to have you on as a guest. Just send me a message. And the best way to support the pod is to go on iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. We also designate one charity or cause to support per episode. So keep an eye out for that in the description. And I hope you enjoy the episode. Yeah, well, I was always the guy who would come on too strong. I'm sure anybody, if this is public, but um, no, I would always come on too strong and get overexcited and like just not play it cool. Yeah. Just no ability to play it cool. And there's like reasons for that. Yeah. Psychological reasons that if you can't play it cool, I, and I think anybody, uh, guy or girl, like if you can't play it cool, you should look in the mirror and figure out why you can't play it cool. Because I mean, there's the element of always like, oh, I can't wait to you're back on this person or I can't wait yeah. to text this person like, that's that's why it's fun and that's why it's great but like I think there's a difference between um excitement and anxiety and that's like the line you're talking about exactly yeah so you grow up and you can yeah. be excited about people without being anxious and but like if you can't demonstrate reserve and patience yeah you're not like a reliable partner yeah I would say that like not that I've been getting like marriage proposals my whole life but every guy who has ever said that he wants to marry me like if he's like drunk and like oh I can't wait for whatever all of them are married now because they just wanted to get married you know like I think some people like want to be in relationships or they want to be married so they do those things and that's not always exactly like the timeline yeah. that they should it's be really, on for me like I know very well like there was the notion of like there's the emptiness that everybody always has it's like always there and everybody tries to fill it in their own way some try to people make a lot of money and some people try to do whatever and there's people who like try to fill the emptiness with love mm-hmm. and with another person yeah and that's i relate to that i struggle with that and so those are all those people who come on too strong you can't play it cool yeah. hell i i blew one, i screwed up in august i liked this girl a lot in august yeah it was in august i took a road trip in october where i sold all my stuff i sold all my stuff and i loaded it into my car and i had everything and i could have moved if i wanted to and whatever so it was like a soul trip or what was it? Kind of. It's sabbatical? easy to say that. No, it was like, I never went abroad or anything like that. So it was just like the trip where I got to get out and do me. Yeah. But, uh. This lady. So anyway, yeah. So I was planning, I was planning on moving, blind move, right? Whoa. It's like, well, it's like you're 28, you're single, your career's not in anything that you're invested in. And it's like, yeah, I'm just going to move. So anyway, that was my original thought. And then I met this girl and I liked her. And we went on like five dates and I was pretty into it. Mm-hmm. And... If it was a normal situation, I would have played it cool and whatever, but I kind of had, like, this move right around the corner. Yeah. And so all the anxiety of, like, am I going to move? Yeah. I met this girl. I really, like, I thought there was something there. There was something there, a little, enough for me to, like... Think about I was, it, yeah. I wasn't crazy to think that there was something there. Yeah. But anyway, I couldn't handle the anxiety. And I remember, like, I had to figure out if I was going to sell my stuff or store my stuff. And I kind of had that, like, what are we talk then. Mm-hmm. And I remember 
as it was happening, like I said, like I need to have this conversation with her because it's the timing and the move and the whole thing. And like as I was about to have the conversation, every voice in my head was like, "Don't have this conversation. Like this is your anxiety. Like you, you don't even need to do this at all." And I did anyway. And then three days later, it was like, "I don't think we should do this." You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and that's the last time that that's ever gonna happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so let's introduce you. Before we get too far, yeah. Um, what's your name? How old are you? You live in name, Chicago. Don't I? Oh, you have? Did you choose a fake name? No, I was thinking who, who do I look like to come up with my fake name. Oh um, man, I don't know. Like you do look a little bit like someone. There's a lot of there's a lot of famous people named Chris, and you probably look that's, like one of them. That's so funny. That was a fake name that I had thought of. For really? Myself. Swear to God. Okay, so swear to God, you can be Chris, and you live in Chicago. You're 28 right now? I'm turning 29 next month. How exciting. Are you an yeah. Aries or a Pisces? I am an Aries. Oh and a Christ. typical Aries. One time, I was on a date with a girl, and she was, gi- and I was giving her crap, that, and I said astrology is hogwash. And Hogwash. I, is that a word? Yeah. Um, and she said, no, it's legit. Let's read it. Let's, I mean, oh, okay. And I pulled up an Aries thing, and I started to say, like, it was a second date or whatever. Yeah. And it was nailing all of my qualities and, like, insecurities. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is too early for her to know this stuff. We are so like, after that, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess I am a typical Aries. Um, you live in Chicago and you're single? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but dating's been great. I've been like... Wow. No one has ever said that. No, it's finally good. Like, Dating is good. Lately, yeah. Okay. Lately, yeah. Tell me about it. Um, so you reached out to me because you have a really interesting story. I have a very interesting love story. Tell me what um, you messaged me about. Lead us oh, yeah, down so, this, this path. Yes. Yeah, so I got in touch with you because my friends have been sick of this story since I was a kid. Yeah, I need more to drink. I'm nervous now. <laughs> I'm about to get naked in front of people. But I am anonymous. I need to think of myself as like a person on Twitter. You are you know just, yeah, Twitter. you're just like the shadow figure that is people's mm-hmm. profile picture before they choose a photo. Yeah, but you have that anxiety of like, what if? This got out. What if people talk yeah, about? there has not been an episode yet that someone hasn't like. Every time I publish something, I get messages that are like, "Oh my god, I'm so glad someone finally said this or whatever." Yeah, yeah well, this might be your viral po- viral podcast <laughs> that everybody finds out. So, can we talk about other stuff for a little bit longer? Yeah, I don't know. How's dating for you? Um, dating for me is a little weird right now because of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's Bye, so cool. Felicia. You're in a band. Oh my gosh, what's um, your band? You can't tell band. us, I guess. It's a rock band. Yeah, it's a rock band. What do you do? I play the drums. So cool. Yeah, thanks. Do you get lots of girls from that? Um, no, I never had any game until recently. So until re- how like how recently? I don't know. I probably it clicked for me over the last like since the road trip. Like I've always had success. I've always been hot and cold. I was like Michael Sarah from Superbad. Really good yeah. reference. Yeah, I was Michael Sarah from Superbad because you know he got like a lot of. Like, like, if that character kept going, he would lose his virginity freshman year of college. He would get lucky sometimes. Mm-hmm. He would have hooked up with a girl consistently for about five weeks, and then one of them would have gotten bored. Um, he never would have confidence confidence in his appearance until he was, like, 25, 26, when he finally matured into his body. He still wouldn't know what to do with it, with being an attractive person for another couple years after that. So, yeah, like, no, I mean, like, I've had three, I've had three good, like, relationships and I've had success hit or miss. Yeah. But, like, in terms of, like, 
knowing what I'm doing, and if I like see someone that I'm, if I have a connection with someone, like not fucking it up. So you said dating is going really good. Yeah. So like yeah. So basically, I'm trying to walk away from Jenny, and like it's impossible, but it's like behaviors that dictate it. So I've gone on a couple dates with two different girls, and they they're both they both went well, and I like them both. Yeah. And it's just nice to be like a normal person about it. Yeah. Because I was always like really like relationshipy and like this might be the one or whatever. Yeah. And now I had like, I've gone on two dates with this girl who I get where she's at and what she's looking for. And I can respect that and go along with it. And which is like, she's pretty like emotionally detached and probably just wants to oh, yeah. something casual. And I yeah. get that. And then I just went on a first date that was actually good. And it was like a good first date. And the girl who's emotionally detached, how did you come to um, know that about her? Did she say, I'm, I'm... I could read it. Okay. Yeah, I could read it. There was a couple, like, the giveaway for me was she's in sales, and I've worked sales jobs. She said she's an, an introvert, mm-hmm. and she was not behaving like an introvert. You know, like, I could tell that she was in her face. She was in her presentation. Self. Yeah. And I wouldn't have known it. Like, it's just like, a, like she did a great job. I just know yeah. people and... and I know introverts and she didn't seem like an introvert and then she's an introvert. So I'm like, okay, she's showing me the protective side. Yeah. Like she's not letting her guard down. Yeah. And, and then the other thing on her, on, on her second date, she's like, for whatever reason, she's like, don't take this the wrong way. But like, I'm the kind of person who like, I could just fuck you and it would mean nothing. And I'm like, Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause that's what I'm in the game for too right now. Probably. So, okay. but yeah, but kind of all three of those factors. She, and she, you got all of that on, on two dates. She got all of that. I'm the realist. I get, I get things out of people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the girl that you just went on one date with. It was just a good date. I mean, like, I'm yeah. not, like, all excited about it, but it yeah. just was, like, yeah, we had things in common, and I could tell there were things that, like, when she, you know, on your first date, you're, like, you kind of, like, tip off things where there's more to dig into that maybe you don't want to yet, you know? I was, like, interested, and yeah, and there was a lot of attraction there. You're, like, I'm going to follow up on that later. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, she's planning on going, she's like, think about quitting her job and going on a trip and kind of doing what I just did. <laughs> you can did. tell her all so, about that. Exactly. So we just have a lot in common. And, so if you um, really liked way. her, though, and had like an emotional connection, would that mess up your plans to just be kind of like fucking around for a little bit? Or would um, you go along with it? No, like I want, like, no, I'm in a place in my life where I would take something real when it comes. Oh, okay. You know? Okay. I'm totally open to that. Yeah. But the thing is, I'm... I'm also in process of walking away from this yeah. thing that I'm like pretty invested in, and the way to do that is by getting out there. And so I kind of have like both situations. I got yeah. a casual thing, and maybe something that's more serious. Yeah. And the whole point is to like let myself let go of this, let myself let go of Jenny and mm-hmm. forget about her. Mm-hmm. And you do that by action, you do that by mm-hmm. you know walking. So. Why do you think that you're gonna have to let go of Jenny? Oh, it's just the way love works. I think it's the way the world works. It's like, yeah. It's the old saying, if you love something, set it free and it will return to you. Okay, so let me tell you a story. Okay. Let me tell you a damn story. I was 11 years old. It was the first day of sixth grade. And I was in my advisory class. And I heard her name, like, called on the attendance sheet. And I hear this girl in the back of the class, and she's like, here. And I'm like, 11. And immediately, I'm like, interesting. Did you even see her? You just heard her name. I was literally like, I was not looking, it was like from behind her. Whatever it was, I was interested. Like, even when she's like here, like I heard the voice Mm -hmm. and whatever. And then like a couple days later, we're like in the same group of people and like a get to know you thing in sixth grade advisory and I like talked to her and I'm like, 
I could just talk to this girl forever. Like I thought that when I was in Mecca. And so we became really good friends right away. And I started to like her right away. And we were like, we would like chat on AOL. Of course. Of course. Yeah, like I asked her to be my girlfriend when I was like 11 years old online. You know, I was like, will you go out with me? And she said no. But Did then, you talk the next day? How does that well, go when you say no and then immediately... Well, so I kept talking to her and she said that she liked me. We're chatting online, you know? And she's like, I don't want a boyfriend, but I do like you. Like, I like like you. I look like you too. And then it was like, and I hardly, I know now, but it was like super awkward the next day or whatever. And, we couldn't really, and then like three days later, she said like, I don't like you anymore. And I was like, aw, that was fast. <laughs> and I just took her at her word. It's like, I probably screwed something up. Sure, she doesn't like me because she told me. And then, like, a couple months later, I, like, asked her out again. And it was the same thing. And she said, like, I like you, but I don't want a boyfriend. And then what I did is I wrote her a note. I wrote her, like, a little note. And um, it was a cute little note. And, like, the only thing I remember from back then was I was like, don't show your friends because I'll be embarrassed. And she did. And I was really embarrassed, you know. And the only other thing from, like, being in sixth grade that's relevant is, like, just to sh- is our parents were at the dog park, my dad and her mom. And he said to her, he was like, you know, Chris is, like, in love with Jenny. And her mom's like, yeah, Jenny kind of likes her, him, too. And, and he's like, no, like, he really is in love with Jenny. Dad. And then, like, it faded out and in seventh and eighth grade and whatever. I, like, found other girls that have crushes on. It was no big deal. But, like, I always noticed her, you know. Like, she was always, like, the girl that. Yeah, and then so the story moves to when a uh, sophomore year. Um, one night I went to bed, and the next day my dad was dead. And he had had a heart attack in his sleep. And, uh, he wasn't sick at all? No. It was well, his, sudden? Yeah, it was sudden. And um, his parents had both passed away when he was 11 and 12 years old. He's got, he could have his own podcast, too. But, um, yeah, he lost both his parents with heart attacks. So, like, it was kind of in a family. Mm-hmm. But it was like, yeah, I said goodnight one night, and it was, it was really tragic. The Shiva was Super Bowl Sunday. And is was that, like, was that for your dad? Yeah. Okay. For yeah. non-Jewish people, yeah. Shiva so, is like right. a memorial? A Shiva is like a wake, where okay. you like honor the dead, but culturally it's very different. Mm-hmm. So you invite people to your home, and it's, there is an element of festiveness. Like there isn't, everybody's really sad. Yeah. And like you, and, and of course. But there is an element to celebrate the life that was lived, and it's more of a social thing, and it's okay to laugh, and it's okay to, like, smile, and it's okay to express joy, mm-hmm. and it's encouraged because you're supporting loved ones with the yeah, positive a celebration, of celebration of your life, etc. So, anyway, it was a Super Bowl, and, like, that, like, the number of people who came to the funeral was insane. And, like, my basement turned into a really weird Super Bowl party because it was, like, really fun. Like, it was, like, a reunion for my older siblings' mm-hmm. friends, and it was, like, and the non-Jewish people got really weirded out because it was, like, a party, but it was a tragedy at the same yeah. time. It was, like, very strange. So, anyway, I was watching the Super Bowl, and I'm like, I can't do this. Like, I'm just going to go leave this Super Bowl party, and I went to go into my older brother's bedroom just to, like, be by myself and play the video games in there, and I went into, and she, when she, when I got up to leave, she popped up and followed me, mm-hmm. and we, like, sat in that room, and... We like we hadn't talked in a couple of years or whatever, and we like reconnected then, and that was that was like. It's really meaningful. Oh, I was, it, like that is 
I was so in love. That moment was like, yeah, there's not words to describe it, but I remember sitting there, I was 15, I'd like kissed a girl once, and I was like sitting there holding her hand, and I was just so in love. Like that moment when you're like so in love, and you would freeze time, Mm -hmm. and be totally fine with it. Be like, I could live here forever, and it would be great. Mm -hmm. And it was really fucked up, because like, my dad had just died, I had no idea what was going on, and it was like a perfect moment. So, and that moment was so powerful, it, like, <clears throat> caused me problems in future relationships. Because I would try to yeah. s- stack up to that feeling of love. Mm-hmm. Like, I would try to chase that. And you can't chase those moments, yeah. you know. Yeah, and then, so after that, I quickly, like, I leaned on her for everything. And I was, like, super friend-zoned. Like, super, super friend-zoned. The weird part is my coping mechanism with losing my dad was to just be in love with her. It's, like, romantic yeah. and unhealthy at the same time. I was 16. Yeah. But, like, the way I put it, like, like when men are away at war, and, like, you think of World War II guys yeah. who think of the girl back home, yeah. even though they know the girl is now married and has kids, and they still will think about getting back there mm-hmm. and trying to win her, even though yeah. they know it's impossible, because, like, their life is so terrible that they just need yeah. something to believe in. It's just a really big goal to focus on and distract yourself, maybe. Yeah, totally. It's just, like, a totally, it's a total coping what I would guess, what I would, what I would bet big money, I probably, like, told her online when I was, like, 16, mm-hmm. like, hey, I just, well, like, I was, like, we were really good friends, but I just was, like, and I was in no place to, like, date, like, I, you know, I was, yeah. I just said, hey, I just wanted you to know, and you don't have to say anything back, but I want you to know that I love you, and you don't have to say anything back. Like, that's probably how I told her. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. Based on my conversations <clears throat> from the age of 15. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's what I did. Um, um, yeah, and then, like, junior year, like, the friendship was stupid, and she was being, like, mean to me or whatever, and then I just, like, decided to start to ignore her one day, and so, naturally, she just ran right back, and, and, like, I remember we had a conversation in our basement where she was, like, all sad, she was, like, she's crying, like, I need you in my life, and she said things like, and this is weird, this is a great example of a 16-year-old girl saying dumb shit that has no idea the context of, and she said, like, we're soulmates, and we're the same person, that stuff and I gave her a hard time I'm like but we're you don't mean that romantically and she's like I don't know you know and I was, uh, like, I was like fine I'm, okay that's stressful for me or me right now yeah listening to this story I know She. I, I, the point is I was on the hook forever after that. yeah after that I'm like we're on the hook forever she said yeah. we're like meant she, she was, she's like we're meant to be something you know I'm like are you trying to tell me we're meant to be together because like I'm in love with you and I'm only 15, I don't know anything, and you just say you want to be friends, and none of this makes any sense, you can't explain it to me, so, okay. So, that put me on the hook forever, basically. Yeah, I mean, when I was that age, with peer pressure, and just, like, dating, everyone has a boyfriend, whatever, like, a guy or a girl telling you they like you that much, even if you don't like them, it at least makes you consider it. So, if you're already in love with them, you're probably like, okay, sign me up, sounds good. Yeah. (laughs) Senior year of high school, she started dating her first boyfriend. Then I let my heart break, and I, like, went home every day from school, and I, like, laid on the couch for two hours with my dog and sulked for, like, at least a month. Like, I was just so heartbroken. And then I started to actually, like, do healthy things to cope with losing my father. Like, I got into philosophy, and I fell in love with the restaurant business, and I started oh. to and then, so, like, freshman and sophomore year of college, like, we would text and flirt sometimes. It was fun, and for the first time, we were, like, actually flirting. And then I'd be like, I love you. And then it would, like, blow up, you know? So she broke up with her boyfriend, 
coincidentally, at the same time that I had PTSD from a bad hallucinogenic drug trip. So I was very mentally unhealthy and like the anxiety that I brought to the table previously is like tenfold higher, you know? And again, I even did the same thing where I like used her as my coping mechanism. It's like the easiest coping mechanism there is though. It's the best coping mechanism (laughs) there is. It's the only way to cope. No, it's just like, I can see why people do it. Yeah. Um, So... I hardly remember this night, but, like, I went to a Big Ten school, and she went to another Big Ten school, and she went to uh, University of Illinois. And so she was visiting a friend, and I was like, I'm going to try to, you know, make my move, which at the time is me being like, give me a chance. Yeah. Let me show you who I am. Let me prove it. And I was really nervous. And so, anyway, like, I don't really remember the night she was there with, like, this guy. who They were, like, they looked like they were friends. Like, it didn't look like there was much chemistry between them. And I was going on, and then she kind of started, like, flirting with, like, putting his arm around. She was sitting on his lap, kind of, like, trying to get me away, whatever. And she ended up just getting, like, meaner. As the night went on, she got, like, meaner and meaner. And, and I was so nervous. I don't even, I, like, blacked out the night because I had so much anxiety. I was so mentally unhealthy. Yeah. But she was terrible. I remember, like, texting her at the way end of the night. She's like, you'll always be back. You'll always come. And I'm like, no, I really don't think so. Like, I see who you really are now. And she'd, like, told me that before. Like, she would say, like, you're in love with the idea of me. And, like, actually a bitchy person and you don't know who I really am and the next day I woke up like completely free from the spell like free yeah I am out from the spell it's been 10 years I don't care about this girl like I was free so that's the end of part one I like checked on Facebook of course every now and then just to see I really don't believe that checking up on people on social media every now as long as you're not doing it like obsessively I don't think it means anything I think it's pure curiosity yeah during my 20s, when I look back, I was so embarrassed and humiliated, and I knew that it was me just being clingy and being obsessive and being, like, weak, like, mentally, you know, like, a weak person, you know? Okay. And I just really thought the whole thing was so stupid and I was so embarrassed. First of all, therapy is the best. Everyone, Everyone should, should be in therapy. therapy. Everyone should be in therapy. Everyone you're in crazy therapy. to not go to therapy. Yeah. If you're not in therapy, then you're crazy. Yeah. So I spent a whole session on it, and it was great. And I taught, and I like had all this clarity. I talked about that moment in my brother's room holding her hand, and my therapist was like, "Yeah, you were in love with that moment." But like, and I talked it through, and I was like, "Yeah, like I really did just love the idea of her, and I never really got to know the real her, and that's not what love is." Yeah. And I'm not gonna base my future relationships and and the love I feel in real, like a real relationship versus that idea of love that I was kind of measuring my previous relationships up to. So the reunion's coming up, and I, my plan is like to just not talk to this girl, because the last thing that she said to me was, you always come back around, and I really don't care, and the guy that she was with that night is still her boyfriend of eight years. So anyway, I had no plan to talk to her, and then it's like five minutes until the bar, the open bar closes, and there's a group of people, and we're all doing the dance, like, do you know what this one's called? It's the floss. The floss. Is that yeah. what it is? Yeah. So there's a group of people doing the floss. And I'm doing the floss. And then Jenny and I were both doing the floss. And then we're, and we're like drunk. And I look at her and she looks at me and it's just like a safe, comfortable place. We give each other a hug. And she goes, you don't hate me, do you? And I say, no. You don't think I'm a totally crazy person, do you? She goes, no. And then we started talking. And we were like, we're talking at the reunion. And right away, just like dumping the realest shit out. It's the opposite of a small talk conversation. I see if she's going to go to the after party. Like We were like talking and flirting, 
and there was like a chemistry. Mm-hmm. But then I also remember being like, no, I'm fucking over you. Like, I don't, you know, like it was like really kind of like, I was like, no, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. I'm going to text these two girls I've been seeing and I'm not going to think about you again because I'm over you and like the whole thing. And she's trying to be like, no, you always liked me. Or like, you always blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I said, I was like, so are you going to marry her? Her boyfriend's name is uh, John. So I was like, are you going to marry John? And she's like, yeah, I am. And I'm like, can I kiss you before you do? And she's like, you can't say no to that. So I did it and I kissed her or whatever. Had you ever kissed before? Never. Yeah. And I'm literally like, this is fucking insane. I'm like, I'm making out with Jenny Streeter's Tavern at a 10 year reunion. This is ridiculous. I did, we did go back to her place. Mm-hmm. And, and the whole time I'm literally having like a, a literal out of body experience. <laughs> like it's like like hooking up with this girl the first time like first of all I'm really drunk so I you know but it's like if you hooked up with like the teacher you always had a crush on or like that like or like a celebrity and then the next day she texts me in the morning like thanks for getting me home I'm sorry I was so drunk did she not remember or what yeah so I would find out later the last thing she remembered was the kiss and after that she stopped I waited, and I thought about it. Since the road trip I took, like, I really love the idea of showing up and seeing what happens when you get there. And so I was like, all right, I think I'll just uh, take this girl out. Maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll see if she wants to have an affair, or maybe, like, I don't really know. I just kind of really showed up. So I waited a week, and then I reached out to her, like, do you want to, like, let's get a drink. And she said, okay. And then so we went out, and it was, it was very much friendly, because, like, I didn't know what was coming in the door. But she walked, you know, she's like, I am in a blissfully happy relationship, and I deeply love John. And that's what she's saying. That's her angle. And and I'm thinking to myself, like, you know, I know you think this, but I don't know. I think you're only as happy as you've ever been, and it seems like a low ceiling, you know? Yeah. Um... So that was kind of like the read I had, but I didn't want to take her word for it. I wasn't trying to make trouble or nothing. And we talked and it was really nice. Like we got to clear up a lot of our past and, and I was just about to get out the door. And then I realized that the whole night I've been like breaking eye contact with her. So I'm like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand firm. I'm going to stand firm here and hold eye contact with this girl. Cause I don't think I've ever done that in my whole life. Oh, you know? And there was something exchanged. Like we locked eyes and there was something going on. Yeah. And it was a lot of romantic sexual tension. And I'm kind of just like... And the, and the night was like wrapping up. And, I was, and then I, there was nothing left to say. And I kind of was surprised by it. And then I'm like, all right, well, I, I guess that's it. I'll see you later. And I gave her a hug. And it was like, good luck in life. I'm glad we cleared up our past. But then I walked away. I was like, what the fuck was that look? It was, it was obvious. It was like, there's something going on here. And so... I actually went to my mom for advice, which is interesting, right? Do you talk to your mom about golf? Um, not with this. I, like, I have to keep her updated. She's, like, every Jewish mom who pries too much. So, like, I have to keep her updated or else I'm being a huge dick. Okay. But I do, like, respect privacy and I don't like to overindulge. But she's really good because she's the only person that I knew in that situation who would be able to see through the gray and be real about the long-term issue. Yeah. Obviously something in between us. And I don't want to show up at a 20-year reunion when we have kids and one of us is unhappy in a marriage. Mm-hmm. And then it's that. Yeah. So I said, I got my mom's advice. I was like, I think I want to just explore it now. It's better now than later. Yeah. 
And she said, yeah, that sounds fine. And she's, and also she's like the most insanely overly uh, caring, nice, like please other people, do no harm. She's, she literally lives her life trying to please others and not do yeah. harm to other people. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you should and explore you this. And endorsement. And yeah. she endorsed it. So I did what any hopeless romantic would do who doesn't listen to other people and their advice. And I poured my heart out into a love letter. And I, and I did it. When I wrote the letter, it was like, this is for me. I'm like, I'm going to write this letter. I'm going to be unabashed. I'm going to pour it all out. And then I'll figure out what to do with it afterwards. But the letter started, like, I remember writing a letter like this when I was in sixth grade. I mentioned the look. I was like, I'm writing because of that look. Like, whatever meant. I said, in resolving our past, we've unresolved our present. And what does that become? So I'm writing. And the whole theme of the whole thing was like, I'm grown now. I'm way stronger than I was before. Mm -hmm. And I don't really care what you say or do. And that was pretty much the message. Like, And then the second half of the letter was me actually being like, I know you said you don't remember anything about what happened after I kissed you. So here's what happened. And I wrote the whole hookup. Ooh. Yeah, it was like a, what do they call those? Erotica. Erotica. <laughs> I wrote an erotica. It was, yeah. Basically. That was the second half. That's some, that's some good stuff. Yeah. And so, can I, should I tell you like the big home run line? Yes. So I wrote the erotica thing, and I included like a couple of pretty romantic stuff within that for sure, but the big one was, uh, yeah, the, the letter ended and it said, I feel like you and I could touch God and the devil and play in the entire space in between. Wow. And yeah. That was how I felt. And it was just how I felt. It was literally like, this is what we are to me. And then I said... You can do whatever you want with this. To do nothing will be welcomed. I'll be around until there's a ring on your finger. Chris. And I really wanted her... I was, like, so down with her not fucking getting back to me. Yeah, because that, like, resolved it. I'm it sure. resolved it for me. The next day, she texted me. Hey, can I see you tonight? I couldn't fucking believe it. So I told her to meet me at California Clipper. Oh, yeah. I love it. It's a great bar. It's the best bar. Also haunted. It's haunted? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, it is. Honestly. Uh -huh. She sits down, the first thing she says, she goes, look, what we have is real. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, is this real life? And we, like, had a really great date. Like, we did California Clipper, and then we went to Danny's Tavern, and then we went back to her place and did a 90s night dance night until, like, 4 in the morning. It was, like, a perfect date. Perfect. It was, like, the best night of my, like, easily one of the best nights of my life. And we're only kissing. Um, we talk on Monday, and... We talk over the phone and she's just like, I just want you to know how like happy I am that we're exploring this. Like I'm really, I've really been happy. Yeah, so we hung out in this, uh, drive around the suburbs and we like talked and it was like, we were just like, okay, this is totally real. And she was like, if I wasn't with John, this would be so great. She's like, I'd be all in on this thing. Like I can't, like I can tell that this is a real thing, but you know, whatever. And then we're like, but we shouldn't do this. And we're like, let's call, you know? And we gave each other like that real big kiss. Like it could be the last time you're going to kiss somebody. Like that was the yeah. one, that was the one kiss that was like. I'm going to kiss you like it's the last time. And at this point, I was like, just, I'm just in love with the girl. And like, I get it. And I, I basically told her like, at this point, like I'm, I, I don't, I'm at the end of my rope with it. Like mm -hmm. I'm not going to be able to just detach like I had yeah. previously. I needed to give her space to figure it out mm -hmm. because she would, she had either been with her boyfriend or with me. Yeah. I was like, we're going to break. We're going to have space. Whatever. If you need to talk to me, you can. If you don't, that's, great, like, I will support you, I, I'm fully confident, and I have all the strength to give you the space that you need, and if you need to bend or break, I can catch you and send you back. Yeah. 
that was like the most difficult two weeks ever. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like so, I'm like letting her go and I'm super in love. And like, I remember there was one, there was one night where like my heart hurt so bad. I started laughing. Like sometimes like I learned, like it's really true. Like some things can be so bad that you step back. You're like, this is ridiculous how much this can suck. Yeah. You know, I wait, you know, I waited the two weeks and then she said like, can we talk Friday? Can we talk that weekend, like right around the date. I'm like, all right, she's got things, things figured out. Actually, I went on a couple dates during the whole thing. Yeah, I think that's always a good idea. Yeah. Just to like perspective. Yeah. You're not the only person in the world. Right, yeah. Yeah, so we got together and she, she told me she loved me for the first time. What she basically said was like, I still don't know what I'm going to do John. about John. If I break up with him, it's not like I can just date you. Why and couldn't she just date you if she broke up with John? Yeah, well, I think she was like, I think it was something she was convincing herself of. Like, I... I mean, like, I don't mean to be, or whatever. What she said was that it's going to be really hard for me to lose him and go through all that change. And she said, I don't want to drag you through that. And I'm like, and I'm like, cross the bridge when you get there. Like, yeah. I don't think you can go through that. Because you're kind of asking her to drag you through that. You're not really, you're looking at it in a different well, way. Like, I want to, I want to be with you for that part of your life. Well, then you find happiness however you want. That's all I need to hear and mm-hmm. what I figured out. And it was like, I'm sure I'll talk to you soon. And that was two weeks ago. So that was the last time that you saw her in person? Yeah. Right. And so anyway, I texted her like a week. And then, yeah, the last communication I've had with her was, I texted her, hey, just letting you know that I'm wishing you well. And uh, and right now she's with her boyfriend. Like, this is the weekend that she's yeah. going with her boyfriend. Why so, do you think she's still with him out of comfort? I mean, eight years is a long time. Yeah. I You know... I don't know if it's fair for me to guess. The way he could break up with her, but I don't know. The whole Do you point think is, he would because of like the way she's been acting, or what? I don't, know. I don't know. But he's super safe and sturdy and reliable. Yeah. And I could see why you'd like want that. It's interesting that they've been together for so long and they haven't taken any next steps. That's why I went in there. Yeah. I was like, if there's no ring, that's that was my whole thought process. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no ring on her finger. Like. Yeah. All relationships need to be battle tested. I'll do it. Have you said anything along the lines or thought of saying anything like you should break up with him and be with me? Yeah, it's funny. Um, I know it's aggressive. Like the desire to make that kind of play came up all the time in my head. But like as you address the opportunity to really say that, it becomes really obvious. A relationship with one person actually has nothing to do with the love you have towards another. Me trying to say you should be with me instead of John is mm-hmm. so, first of all, narcissistic. Um, but second of all, like discrediting the purpose of a relationship. Like you were with somebody because of how much you love them. And you should be with the person who you truly, truly, deeply love. Mm-hmm. And so there's no convincing off of that, yeah. you know? But like, yeah, it's it just, it always felt, it always felt like it would have been really weird and wrong to say. Like it came up, you know? Yeah. So you think it's over now? You think it's the closing chapters? Like, honestly, in the real world, I'm thinking about Jenny all the time. Yeah. But right now I have a, a good two dates with one girl and a good one date with another girl. And a line of girls on Hinge that I could talk to her one or two. Yeah. And those are the relationships that it's are actually... Those They're the ones that are actually... Yeah. They're in the healthy field. to focus on. Yeah. So... Yeah. How would a relationship with you and Jenny actually work like if she texted you and she's like i broke up with 
John. Yes. You gotta jump into it. Is it like official right away? Like, how does that happen? I don't. I think labels would be irrelevant. I still am insecure because throughout my whole childhood, I was being strung along. That was a string along, mm -hmm. you know. And so I still have that insecurity, mm -hmm. you know, of being strung along. Yeah. Yeah. Where she's just using me. You know? Yeah. But I know I, that's not what's happening. No. It's like she's kind of just in some ways a bit. But, but so no. She needs to make a decision. Right. At some point, I mean, like, it sounds like when she was younger, she was being younger, and she was being a 15-year-old who yeah. plays with guys' hearts, as, like, a lot of us do, and doesn't think anything of it, doesn't think she's hurting anyone. Right. Now, I don't think anything is malicious there, but um, at some point, it doesn't matter if she's trying to string you along, like, right. someone needs to make a decision, and it obviously, I mean, like, just because of what the circumstances are it really needs to be her. No, right. There's that. Like once that it steps, once the person's gone and steps away, then you realize that you wanted the person. Okay. Do you think that 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 that's healthy? I've seen it. So the times like, that I felt that way, it's never been genuine. You know, like I broke up with with this person who was terrible, but I was really comfortable with them. Yeah. And then I'm like dating, you know, for all these first dates with like crazy people, and you start missing like the comfort. Mm-hmm. And so I started, like, I, would, I was sitting right here talking to my roommate years ago, like, ugh, like, whatever happened to Drew? I should text Drew. And she was like, Lord, he tried to break into her house. Like, you can't Jesus. text him. Yeah. So. No, I guess I, I guess I wonder because, like, yeah, it's like, if she's not like, yeah, I want to be with you, then I should just, like, really walk. Like, should I take, you know, would I, should I walk? And actually walk, not walk just to, like, get her back. It's, like, this weird kind of thing in my mind where, like, when you let it go, then it comes back. Mm -hmm. There's a weird way of the universe yeah. like that. Yeah, and not doing that, just, like, actually. But, like, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you know? I mean, I really don't know if there's anything... And as long as I don't... Cutting off the relationship and not talking to her is... No, I Are think you, you could talk to back? her, too. Really? Yeah. Why? I think that would because just Because she has responded to it positively every single time. Um, yeah, but no. Like I like... said earlier, I, and I'm not trying to talk you into it at all. I'm just saying, like, it's really compelling when someone makes a case for it, you know? Like, if you, like you, we've done that several times. Majority. I'm not arguing for it, yeah. but I'm, I don't think really any path you take here. You guys are, feel the same way that you are going to regardless right that's got right it's like it, it's gonna happen either way yeah i've always had that journey too yeah do you yeah. feel like the tables have turned a little bit in what way like you were always chasing her and now you feel like you can't really do anything wrong no i felt i know that i have that effect on her like i'm texting her and she can't not respond yeah she has to get back to me yeah so yeah i don't know if the tables have turned but we're both at the table. Like, we're both playing the... Yeah, it's a lot more even now. Yeah, it's very even. It's very even. Mm -hmm. And I do have the upper hand, because I I think I'm actually... I have, like, a bigger foundation of confidence. Mm -hmm. yeah, Where do you I, think I, that I, came from? Because, like, when you were younger, you said that just really wasn't present. Like, I went been through a lot. Like, my whole story came out. I lost my dad, PTSD. I'm a nonconformist. I have my own way of doing things. I'm highly individualistic. Following the advice that society has laid out for me is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. I started meditating, and like I know, I know who I am for the first time. Yeah, 
I wish you. I wish they could. See I wish that. they could see. I'm moving my arms. <laughs> very, very feminine. Very womanly. Femininity <laughs> is the most important part of masculinity. Do you think? Yeah, the yin yang. Of, I told. I said this before. The yin yang yeah. of femininity and masculinity is so important. It really for is for self actualization. It's making space for both sides. Yeah. It's having comfort and demonstrating both traits across the yes. spectrum. It's like, and and I think it's very interesting right now because obviously gender and um, this is all very hot topics and it's all viewed from a very Western, one-dimensional, black-and-white lens, yeah. and I think it completely disregards the fluidity of masculinity and femininity. So you should know how to be assertive and you should know how to be passive. Yeah. You should know how to be patient, but you should know how to make a move. Yeah. You know, you should know how to be calm and a great listener, and you should know how to be an aggressive talker. Like, if you want to be an effective person, you just do, you know how to do both, and yeah. then the situation comes. Femininity, masculinity support each other, they enhance each other, they set each other free. When it comes to sex, like in the bedroom, like, men, be a fucking man and let the woman fucking do her thing when she orgasms because whatever happens there is the coolest thing ever. And so you said that you... Yeah. yeah. I, I, I've always been a feminine guy. I leaned on my feminine traits yeah. to get me through most of my life's problems. Yeah. And in the last year, I've like finally... My dad was a fucking man. My dad was awesome. He was a rock. Mm -hmm. And I didn't understand, like, his manly nature until the last year when I started to, like, practice it myself. Mm -hmm. Do you think losing him informed how you date? I'd been a romantic before he died. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I just want, when I was 15 and he died, I just wanted to be just like him. And I just wanted to be the best father. In the, he was a legend. And so mm -hmm. I just wanted to be the best father and the best dad ever. He was an unbelievable husband and mm -hmm. an unbelievable dad. And so I just wanted to, and he was strong as fuck. You also mentioned um, that you only really like got game in October. What does that look like as opposed to like how you were before? I would get lucky with girls, you know, but it felt like I was getting lucky. And I did, I did have three good relationships, you know. Um, mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't like I was not getting anything. But there's just something different. Now when I'm on a first date, I'm just comfortable in my own skin. Yeah. And I have a good conversation. And I get to know someone. It's like you're just and making it easier on yourself. It's like, look, I, I'm fascinated by life. I'm passionate about life. I'm fascinated by other people. I'm confident in my own skin. And I know how to not fuck it up. Yeah. So when it comes to getting a girl's number, getting her on a date, enjoying that first date, getting to a second date, I can't really fuck that up. Yeah. Like I'm not going to screw that up. Yeah. And also, the, and then the other important part is demonstrating masculinity. Mm -hmm. Like, don't be a little bitch on your date. I'll be sitting forward with my shoulders hunched or whatever, and I will catch that, and I will sit back, and I will be calm, and I will, like, adopt a masculine body language. Mm -hmm. But that's the only kind of, like, game, like, mental game that I need to check myself on. Yeah. You know, I make sure I don't wave my arms around too much when I'm telling a story. Oh, really? Kind of shit like yeah. that. Like, but that's, honestly, in the, in the realm of, like, that's not so much to be self-conscious about. Yeah. You know? I just yeah. make sure I demonstrate like manly body language. Yeah. When you uh, you mentioned that the episodes between like women talking about dating and experiences and hurdles and desires and all that were a little more relevant to you to listen to. So can you go into that a little bit more? Like what was interesting or what would you want to hear girls talk about? If you could get like a that conversation uh, that two girls who are single in 28 and talking about what it's like to be single in 28, mm -hmm. just put a microphone in front of them. And, yeah. You know, 
that's that's it. You know, I'm fascinated by certain things. Yeah. And they change. They change. Yeah, of course. What things are you fascinated about right now? Most recently, the female orgasm. Actually, and that's a ex- question that I've started asking every female on the show: is how do you orgasm? Okay, so right, so like in my previous relationships, it wasn't sexually open. You know, just like timid. You know. Like, yeah. And now I'm at a point where it's like I could be like, tell me everything you want. You know, like just open up all the fucking yeah things. But what I'm most fascinated is like. Women go, you guys go into a trance. You're in a legitimate trance state. And, like, your mind is totally... While orgasming? Yeah. Or, like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like, crazy. I think it's the coolest thing ever. And, like, I'm, I've cool. always been... No, it is. I've always been fascinated by consciousness. I'm a super deep guy. I'm fucking practicing Zen and the whole thing. And, like, no, it's, like, you guys go into this trance state where you, like, totally lose yourself, like, when women are orgasming, they have no idea what's going on. No. You have no <laughs> clue where you are or what is happening. We're not on Earth. You're not. No. And that is the coolest fucking thing ever. It's pretty cool. Ever. Like, <laughs> you you could get your consciousness blasted to Mars. Like, I, re- I Googled it last week. Like, women, or female orgasm and spiritual experiences. And people... Oh, like, really? Yeah. And people have out-of-body experiences when they're orgasming. They find God when they're orgasming. And again... Like, yeah. I've done the drug trip thing, and yeah. I, like, I just, I find, I'm a spiritual person, I find consciousness super fascinating, yeah. and I think that sex and God are, like, I, well, I, like, I think love is the base of everything, mm-hmm. and God, and I don't say God the way that Jews or Christians or anybody talk, it's a totally different yeah. thing. So, and all that's really connected, and, like, when you talk about sex and that connection and orgasm and the whole thing, it's like, Yeah. Because for guys, our feeling, it's very centralized. It's just like a really great feeling in our dicks. Really? Yeah, it's more centralized. It's not this whole body thing. Yeah. No. Yeah, it's not. It's not what women do. It is yeah. not what women do. I was do. just about to ask, like, have you heard that? I mean, because what we, what I've always heard is that it's more intense. What's more intense for women to orgasm? Uh, it's if you, you see, you guys can't see yourselves while you're doing it. No. You can't. And I mean, I know that I can't see myself when I'm having an orgasm either. But like, I. I just watch porn. I know what it looks, you know, like yeah. I can imagine. It's me just being like, uh, 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 yeah. you know? It's your old face. What? It's your old face. It's, my, it's the old face. Right. It's literally like, okay, wow, big fucking deal. Feels great. Mm-hmm. And we're wired and we're wired to crave it like motherfuckers. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why, but we are totally wired like a 13 year old boy just fucking yeah. wants to come. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just different. I just... And I think You're it's so cool. I'm just fascinated. So we should talk about the female orgasm more on podcasts with women. That's what you're saying. It, it would be worth exploring. Yeah. yeah. But and also the biggest mystery is like how to get there and whatever. Because so, so many men, because there's so many men out and like a lot of the guys who are listening to the podcast are guys who like probably want to quietly and secretly learn some things, you know, and they don't know where to get it and they're not going to like ask a woman. So, um, so yeah, like understanding like how to how to get there. Like, I'm even curious about it, you know? Yeah. Like, my, I, cause I haven't, cause my first two relationships, you know, man, I was like 25, and then my most recent one, she had trouble getting there, so. Yeah. It wasn't something we could, like, openly explore. Yeah. And so, my next relationship, I can't wait to figure out, crack this code. Yeah, and know? I think, like, if you have trouble getting there, that's, 
like all the more reason first of all to explore it but it also makes it like that much harder because yeah if she has trouble like uh chances are that she always has she probably definitely always has and she also yeah. is probably not experienced at like talking about it either you know yeah. because people who talk about it they can tell you what they like or what they know works so she either is ashamed, doesn't want to talk about it, whatever, or she doesn't know what works. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I figure, like, I figure it has to do with letting go and being comfortable and setting yourself free. Yeah. Because I, from outside looking in, it looks like it's this deep conscious experience that's totally crazy, and if you want to obtain a deep conscious experience, you need to be able to let yourself set yourself free and float downstream. Yeah. Like they say that with hallucinogenic drugs. Like sit back, relax, and float downstream. The female orgasm, this is, I'm speculating, it's it's so closely tied to, like, freedom and comfort and letting go. And, like, to me, my approach is, like, and that's why domination is so great. Like, I think domination is so sexy because when, when a woman's being completely dominated, they're completely submitting control, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's, like, submitting control is synonymous with the act of letting go, Yeah, you know? Letting go of yourself, letting yeah. go of the need to feel like you need to be in control, and so, like for me, like yeah, for completely dominating and like enveloping like a safe, mm-hmm. awesome, sexy, wonderful world where the girl doesn't know what the fuck's going on, and and then you have to do the physical side too, which is, yeah probably has to do with the clitoris and penetration. Probably. Put it in her anus. Is that your advice? Yeah, do that. I have no idea. I've never had anything else like that. Me neither. Would you do it? Yeah. I think everyone should try it yeah. once. Interesting, right? Yeah. Just just try. I don't know. Right. Who knows if you would like it or not. I've heard, like, one of my, a, a girlfriend of mine told me that, like, guys really like anal stimulation. And that yeah. when she, like, fucks guys and she wants them to just come already, she'll just put her fingers in, her, in their buttholes and then they'll Whoa, stop! Boom, over, done. Thank yeah. you, God. Like when she's ready to wrap it up. Yeah. She'll just yeah. in the butthole. I've never tried that, um, but I've I've heard that too. Yeah, I would be so mad. <laughs> You'd be mad. Yeah. Would you be mad if it worked? Is that what you're saying? I don't know. I don't go in my butt. I don't want you going in my butt. But you might like it. You could. There's this whole world you haven't explored. Maybe that's the female oh, orgasm that's that you haven't experienced. It's like butt. Oh, I should we, I should talk about the anima, the Carl Jung anima. What is that? That's great for the podcast. What is it? Okay, so Carl Jung, psychologist, you know, he had this, uh, like, I don't know if you call it a theory or a hypothesis, whatever, but it's called the anima, and there's actually an animus, too, and it has to do with love at first sight. So, you know, it's something that men experience, like, exclusive, almost, I think exclusively men, like, where they just see a woman at first sight, and they're totally enamored, and they're totally floored, and there's like, it's like a love at first sight thing where they feel like they're in love with the person before they really know them. Yeah. And then they project this person who's not the actual yeah. girl yeah. onto that girl and it causes all this fucking whatever. So that's a phenomenon and it mm-hmm. happens for men. Um, and it definitely happened for me with Jenny. And so Carl Jung has a theory called, he calls it the anima. And so what happens, this is like, if there's any guy out there who's like felt love at first sight for a girl and he doesn't actually know her yet and he's trying to understand why he loved her so much and he doesn't know yet, or if there's a woman who's like had this happen to her where this guy loves her and it's like really annoying, whatever. So what Jung believes occurs with the anima 
is that a man sees himself in a woman. Like, they have that connection. They have that same wavelength. Oh, yeah. And then he takes that, and because he, he feels a need to love, and he, feel, he wants to be in love, and he's fulfilled by that image, and it's, everybody wants something that they can try to, like, reach up to. Like, everybody wants a goal to, like, feel worthy or whatever, and that woman becomes the goal. And so what the man does is he projects the idealized version of himself onto the woman. Mm-hmm. So when he's so in love with the girl and all of her wondrousness, mm-hmm. the, the person that he believes her to be is actually, subconsciously, the idealized version of himself. So interesting. And so what happens is because you're projecting the idealized, optimal version of yourself onto the girl, there's no way you could ever stack up to the girl. Yeah. Because the true you could never stack up to the idealized version of yourself. Yeah. And that's why you're nervous, and that's why you're scared, and that's why you're intimidated, and that's why you feel like you're not worthy or good enough for the girl, because it's not actually the girl, it's actually the idealized version of you. That is so cool. Do you, do you believe that? I experienced it. It's what I did with Jenny. And women have it too, and it's the animus, and I tried to read about it, and I'm sorry to leave it over, like, I don't have the answers because I couldn't understand it. Mm. But women, the women, the female animus is like it can come from multiple men, and it's like women trying to like get pieces that they. I think I, it needs to be. I need to mm-hmm. check it, but it's like women trying to get pieces of what they don't have, and they can do it from multiple men. Yeah. So it manifests totally different. But there's there's this idea that Jung talks about of like where you're not good enough yet, you yeah. project it onto other people. So interesting. I yeah. want to read about that. Yeah. So that's totally fascinating. Totally fascinating. And, like, if you, and, and, like, the one who got away and the one you could never get over and, like, the guy who's still in love with the girl from high school, like, that was your anima. You never really, you know, like, you're holding on to this idealized version of you that's not her. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested in, in this situation because I've never had, I don't have that person that I'm, like, you know, they got away, I should have pursued them, whatever. Yeah. Like, I wasn't in love with anyone in high school. And so that's so interesting. I wonder if it happens more with guys than it does with girls. I would, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so can I tell you my, like, big deep theory on this? Yeah, you can. Okay. I don't know, I haven't really talked about it much, so I have to spitball it out. I view things through yin-yang, and so, like, yin and yang, you've got, like, the white side, which is yang, and the black side, which is yin, and they each have the dots of the other in each other, mm-hmm. because one, op, like, seemingly opposite things actually are much more intertwined. Yeah. Masculinity is a part of femininity, femininity is a part of masculinity. Like, light in a way is part of dark, and dark in a way is part of light. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's light outside, like, it's not completely light. Like, the dark, there is dark that tones yeah. it down, and when Shadow. it's dim, when it's when you're in a dark room, there's still some light shining through, mm-hmm. you know. And when bad things happen, there's good things to that. And when great things are happening, there's issues to that, like, good and bad. And it's always yeah. intertwined. Basically, I look at femininity and masculinity and internal and external freedom. And usually when we talk about freedom, it's about like the freedom to do things and the freedom to conquer and the freedom to go out and do what you want to do and say what you want to do. And these are all actionable things. Mm-hmm. And these traits, these are uh, uh, yang traits, which is the white side of the yin-yang, and it's associated with masculinity. So it's things like doing and being aggressive and saying what you want and all these things. I want to be free. I want to be my own person. These are masculine things. Mm-hmm. I want to go out and conquer the world and explore. These are all masculine things. So a lot of times when people talk about freedom, talk about that. And it, and it aligns, like women have that too. Every, both Everybody has the desire yeah. to go out and be free and conquer the world and accomplish their dreams. And that's yeah. a masculine thing. 
But then freedom on the feminine side, which is definitely in men and definitely in me, is freedom from their own mind, freedom from the internal self. Mm -hmm. And so, like, feminine traits that I think of is, like, being passive and being patient and sitting and being supportive. And I'm not saying women do these things, but, like, if doing is the masculine and the conquering and the going, then the feminine is the being patient and being supportive and being loving. And, yeah. And so when I think, oh, yeah, so when I think of the feminine side, it's being, like, loving and caring and supportive and, like, taking the love that you have and giving it to somebody. Mm -hmm. and, and then and the feminine and masculine, they set each other free. Because when, on the masculine side, like, if you want to go out and do and explore, the best way to have that obtained is to have someone behind you who is being the loving, caring, supportive base yeah. who projects you out. Yeah. Like, a person in love trying to do something gets three times the power when they have that supportive love behind mm -hmm. them. It could come from parents, it could come from friends, it doesn't yeah. matter. When you have someone who loves you, it's that, like, the caring, supportive, feminine mm -hmm. thing sets free the masculine side. And that's really easy to understand. That's, yeah. But what I think is really cool is that Freedom from your own mind, the, the feminine side, comes from when you can love somebody else and forget about yourself yeah. because you're caring about somebody else. Like the best way to get out of your own head is to care about something, mm -hmm. to care about somebody else, you know? And so I think that there's just two types of freedom. There's freedom from, there's freedom to do and there's freedom from the internal in yourself. Yeah. And to me, masculine and feminine traits align with that mm -hmm. and the two set each other free. Yeah. And like, and the ultimate thing, like the female orgasm is like the way to be set free from your own self is a fucking orgasm, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. So, and the point is that masculinity and femininity totally set each other free. And the way that they balance each other out is totally amazing, magnificent. Mm -hmm. And like having confidence and comfort with both masculine and feminine traits within you and like being able to navigate them and mm -hmm. feel comfortable with them. Yeah, you are in touch with your emotions, and you know how you feel, and yeah. that's fucking awesome. When an intruder comes into your home, you can pick up a fucking bat or a gun and protect your family. It's like, do both. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do both? Por que no los dos? Por que no los dos? So. Are you going to write anyway. a book? Uh, I hope one day. Um, <laughs> so it sounds like what you're saying is like masculine is not tied to men feminine is not tied to women it doesn't they don't so the opposite they don't represent either no. one it's like these exist in, in both yeah generally speaking of course um something that i have I wish i had a better conclusion for that whole thing <laughs> it just makes you think that's my big that's my big recent thought i love it it's really interesting really cool